Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. I want to start by going to Psalms 119 and verse 32. Psalms 119 and verse 32. It says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Now, this is a prayer of David. Lord, enlarge my heart. Now, our heart is the seat of our emotion. It is where our feelings is being generated. So, our heart can expand. It can be enlarged. It can also contract. In other words, it can get smaller. It can even shut down totally. Now, the last time I shared with you, I said that our mind is affected by the thoughts and the knowledge we feed into it. That is why you got to feed the Word of God into our minds. you got to focus on the promises of God night and day. Meditate on God's Word night and day. Now, in a similar way, our heart expands or contracts by the feelings we feed into it. So you could feed thoughts into your mind, you feed feelings into your heart. Now, God made us humans feeling creatures because love is primarily a feeling that is strengthened by commitment. So you've got to have both. There's a, love is a commitment, yes, but love is primarily a feeling, a feeling that has to be grounded and anchored in commitment. Now, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of relationships. So, in other words, we need to feel love and kindness and compassion and joy, peace, happiness. Otherwise, we will never fully develop into a normal functioning human being, a normal functioning adult. Now, look at verse 32. Look at this prayer again. David says, if we could just show it one more time, It says, I will run the course of your commandments because you have enlarged my heart. Now, what David is saying is this. The larger our emotional capacity, the faster and the speedier we are able to obey our commission. The larger our emotional capacity, the more you can obey God. Now, he's not talking about walking with God. He's talking about running the course of your commandments. That means running the race or running the journey of the commission. So how quick are we to obey? How fast are we to say yes to Jesus? That depends not just on our mental strength. So first you develop mental strength, but after that, Enlarging our emotional capacity is vital to living a life of victory. So again and again, the Bible talks about the mind and the heart. The mind and the heart. The mind and the heart. And I want to say this. Mental strength, the most important. Secondly, it's your emotional resilience. Your emotional capacity. So God wants to renew our mind. God wants to strengthen our heart. He is the strength of our heart. So the mind is more important, but after that, 
comes the heart. Now, remember we are talking of inner capacity here. So once again, what is capacity? Capacity is our maximum ability to receive, right? To contain, to withstand, and to keep producing. Capacity, I told you the last few times, is our maximum ability, the limit of what we can receive, what we can contain, what we can withstand, what we can produce. Let's break it down when it comes to emotional resilience. Now, when there is no emotional capacity, the maximum we can receive becomes very limited. Very limited. So when the external emotional pressure is great, what happens? You begin to hear people say, I'm emotionally overwhelmed. Have you heard that before? I'm, I'm overloaded. I can't take this anymore. So in other words, you can't share somebody's burdens. You know, you, you can't take bad news from anybody. Oh, don't tell me this. I don't want to know. Don't tell me this. I, I, I cannot handle this anymore. Why? Because your emotional capacity is limited. It's, all, you, it's already too much for you to handle. Oh, please don't give me any more bad news. This is beyond what I could take. Now, you cannot, you cannot receive. Now, your capacity is limited, so you cannot hold it. You cannot contain. So what you can contain is also limited because there's not much love left inside your heart to share with others. There's not much love inside you to give to others. What you have is only enough for yourself, for your own situation. So someone close to you is going through a challenging time, right? Maybe it's your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents. Maybe it's your cell group member, your friend. You can't empathize with them. You can't feel their pain. You don't even try to feel it. You don't even try to understand it. The person is sharing with you, I'm going through a hard time. You know, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling a lot of stress. And all you could think of is your own pain. All you could think of is your own tiredness. You're too self-exalt. But you can't help it because you can't share other people's burdens. You barely could handle your own. There's no more energy to pray for others, let alone to care for others. You get it? Remember, we only grow to the threshold of our pain. You only go to the threshold of your pain. So if you cannot accept too much pain, then you're going to hit a limit. The little love that we have is only sufficient for us ourselves. And when you have very little love left to give to your husband, to give to your wife, ah, there's going to be a problem in the marriage. When you don't have enough love to give and share with your loved ones in your family, there's going to be a problem at home. When you can't share and carry each other's burdens for your friends, there's going to be a problem in the church, in the cell group. Look, this is the most I could do, okay? 
I have no more left to give, all right? I already have my own pain and my own struggle, so don't tell me more. It's beyond what I could handle. So that is a sign. You're reaching the limit of your emotional capacity. Maximum ability to receive, to contain, to withhold. So the maximum we can withstand is also limited. So you easily reach the limits of your patience. You reach the limit of your resilience. So in the Bible, Jesus appointed 12 disciples. He nicknamed two of them, James and John, as what? The sons of thunder. So no prize to know why he called them sons of thunder. Because they have short views. They blow up easily. They have very low boiling point. In other words, they both have a very quick temper. Quick temper. How many of you know somebody like, don't put up your hands, right? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say he's talking about other people. <laughs> One time, Jesus and his disciples, they were traveling through Samaria on the way to Jerusalem. So they are just passing through. The villagers in Samaria were not happy when they found out that they were Jews heading towards Jerusalem. You see, there's been a long-time feud between the Samaritans and the Jews on where is the proper place to worship. There are racial prejudices. So it was late in the night. Jesus needed accommodation. So Jesus said, is there anybody here that, in Samaria that could give us a room to sleep only one night for me and my disciples? Well, the villagers were not happy. They were Jews. They were going to Jerusalem. So they refused to help. Well, that ticked off James and John. They blew up. Short fuse. Low boiling point. Right? Lose their temper. Thunder. Look at Luke 9, verse 54. It says, when the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did. Now look how angry they were. They didn't say, Jesus, why don't you call fire down from heaven? They said, no, you want us to call fire? You could just destroy them. Jesus, these people are not worthy of us. Let's kill them. <laughs> Let's destroy them. Jesus had to remind them James and John, sons of thunder, listen, the ministry is about helping people, not killing people. <laughs> the ministry is serving people. It's not getting angry with people. Proverbs 30 says this. It's an amazing verse. It says, when a slave becomes a king, the whole earth trembles in fear. You know what that means? What is a slave? That means when you are undeveloped on the inside, when you are undeveloped emotionally, and you're given position of authority and power, you become a tyrant. Everybody trembles when you walk in. Everybody gets afraid. 
when they talk to you. Listen, we become leaders by our ability to serve. If you want to be great, Jesus says there's nothing wrong with that. You want to be a person of destiny, there's nothing wrong with that. You want to be a leader, you aspire a good thing. Be a person of influence. But influence and leadership comes by the way of servanthood, of serving, of helping, not demanding, not getting angry, not losing your cool. But you see, if you don't have the inner capacity to handle deferring views, then it's my way or the highway. Then you sing this Frank Sinatra song, I do it my way. It's my way or no way. <laughs> right? You cannot handle deferring opinions because you will feel threatened and you get provoked easily if your wishes are not being acceded to. See, the Bible says this, love is patient and love is kind. And love is not easily angered. Be honest with yourself. Let's be honest with ourselves tonight. How easily angry do we become? It's a reflection of your inner capacity. It tells you how much emotional resilience do you have? Let me define to you what patience is because love is patient, right? Patience is the ability to maintain your composure. In modern day 21st century street language, modern day vernacular, you keep your cool. You are a cool person. You don't blow up. Maintaining your composure under pressure. Keeping your cool under pressure. So when we are stressed, ah, that's the time. The extent of our loving kindness shows the sign or the size of our emotional capacity. Thank God, God is not like us. <laughs> Thy loving kindness is better than wine. But what is how about our loving kindness? <laughs> love is patient, love is kind. Under pressure, how much loving kindness do we still have? That is a sure sign of reflection of the size of the inner capacity you have emotionally. So what is overwhelming or overloading? What is the threshold of pain or the limit of our patience? They vary from people to people to people. Some people boil at 100 degrees Celsius. Some people boil at 300 degrees Celsius. Some people boil at 10 degrees. Some people boil if they don't get the seed of their choice in church. I will never come back to church again. Our emotional capacity is key. It's important. The beautiful thing here is this. David says we can enlarge our heart. John, the son of thunder, eventually became John, the apostle of love. He became the one that's most patient, the one that's most composed, the one that's the kindest. 20 years ago, thank God we all grow. But when I look back, sometimes... I shudder sometimes because my emotional capacity 20 years ago was much more limited. I was young. I was new. 
I was starting out. My emotional capacity was not only stunted, it was small, it was limited. I took very personally whenever mobile phone rang in the service. Some of you were with me, you know what I'm talking about, you can laugh, it's all right. You know, the phone rang, ring. I, when the phone rang, I rang. I get very upset when people walk in and out the services to go to the washroom or to go out. I get upset. I took it very, very personally, especially when the preaching was going on. Now, of course, I do believe and I still believe that in God's presence, there must be a holy reverence, right? And also there is an idea that we are filming the service. So you don't want people to see you're walking around when the service is on. And of course, there's a, another good reason, the importance of the altar call time. I mean, when, when the preacher is giving the altar call, people are in the valley of decisions. You don't want to be walking out as if this is not important. You want them to know this is important. You should be praying. So at that level, of course, there got to be certain propriety and appropriateness of behavior when you're in a service. But after a while, I developed a terrible reputation, not just in church, but all around Asia. Pastor Kong, he's coming next week. Don't you dare walk around when he's preaching. <laughs> oh, I, I, I kid you not. I go to service and I'm in the, in the green room, in the guest room, and pastors are standing there. Pastor, Pastor Kong is coming. It's great privilege for our church. Please, he'll get very angry if you walk. So make sure nobody walks. All your phones, switch off right now. And they go, ah, just check down the phone. <laughs> and that's the truth. I, I begin to have a ferocious reputation, a religious service tyrant. <laughs> I took it very personally, and that's the truth. If you walk out during my preaching, that means you didn't like me. Because you like me while you walk out. <laughs> oh, if you're walking around, it must be you are rejecting me. So I interpret that, of course, outwardly, I tell the people, don't this holy God, holy God. But I'm thinking, holy me. <laughs> I was personally offended and think, how dare you reject me? And one person could be walking out, one person, the phone would ring, and I forget the 99% of them, and I think the whole church hates me. The whole church dislikes me. So one time, many of you remember at Westin Hotel, I was preaching. One guy stood up and walked. At that time, our church only had a few hundred people. I raised my voice. I said, stop there, young man. How dare you walk out when I'm preaching? The guy turned around, shaking and trembling. <laughs> and you know, in those days, our church was small, so when you talk to the last row, he can talk back. <laughs> so the person said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I got work. I work shift. But I love church so much. I just want to come for the worship. But now I've got to go back to work. And I got, I felt so embarrassed. I said, all right. You can go, but next time don't go. Don't walk. <laughs> I kid you not. One time after service, one 
sister, married woman, peed on the seed because she had, she needed to release her bladder, but she was so afraid to walk out when I'm preaching. So, a married woman peed on the seed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to forgive him. Come on, just tell him that right now. Yeah. I soon learn. I better get a grip. I better develop my emotional capacity. So these days, when phone rings, and you guys walk up and down, I just say, it's okay. I say, God, you're stretching my emotional capacity. You see, what limits or strings our emotional capacity. Let me give you three things, all right? Number one, sinful guilt. Guilt shrinks your capacity. That's why as Christians, God does not want us to walk in condemnation or guilt. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. Psalm 106, verse 14. And it says over here, but lasted exceedingly in the wilderness, they're talking about the Israelites, and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request and sent leanness into their soul. So they walk in disobedience, and as a result, in their soul, inside, it's shrunk. Sinful disobedience and guilt shrink our emotional capacity. Sin narrows the heart, not just cholesterol, but sin. <laughs> Guilt shrinks our capacity. About 10 years after David became king, he's now probably 40 years old, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, right? You know the story, got her pregnant. To cover up his sin, he plotted the murder of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. Got him killed on purpose in the battlefield. So God looked upon that as murder. So double whammy, adultery, murder. He have sinned against God. So he killed the husband off so that he could marry Bathsheba. By now, David have gone through at least, let's see, how many years? Maybe 20 years of battles. He's been fighting one war after another war. So now... He's tired. He's exhausted. He mourned the loss of many friends. Many of his friends died in the battlefield. His best friend, Jonathan, had died. What kept him going, I share with you the last time, was his mental strength. He had this ability to strengthen himself in the Lord. But now, the guilt of his sin, adultery, murder, started to cause the emotional capacity on the inside to shrink. It's getting smaller. Leanness in his soul. So, Bathsheba was pregnant, right? When the baby was born, it became very ill. It was dying. David immediately lost it. He snapped. He had a nervous breakdown because emotionally, he just couldn't handle this anymore. The Bible says he was in a daze. He couldn't get off the floor. They tried to get him to stand up. He couldn't stand up. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. And when the baby died, 
they were so fearful of him because he became suicidal. He experienced what doctors today would call acute stress disorder. When you have acute stress disorder, you couldn't concentrate. You're in a daze. It's like a nervous breakdown. You have no energy, no strength. Thankfully, it didn't last too long because David had the sense to pick himself up and his secret, he confessed his sin to the Lord. So Psalms 51 verse 2, it says, Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a loyal spirit within me. So sinful guilt shrinks your heart. But when you confess it and bring it to God, God washes it clean and creates and renews your spirit within you. Come on, let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. So David cried out to God to remove his sin and his guilt. Now, what shrinks our emotional capacity? Number two, painful disappointment. Painful disappointment. One of the greatest prophets in the Bible was Jeremiah. They called him the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. Now, that ought to tell you, this guy lived a life of pain. He's crying all the time. Now, he was given a very hard task. Now, those of you that know the Bible, you know that he wrote a major book, Jeremiah, by Jeremiah. Yeah, he wrote Lamentation by Jeremiah. In fact, some people believe he wrote the book of Kings. He's a major, major servant of God. But he was given a very hard job. He was to prophesy very strong message from God to the people that the people didn't like to hear. So the city, the people disliked him. The false prophets hated him. The kings and those in authorities, they wanted to get rid of him. So in fact, they convicted him of treason and threw him into a dungeon. This guy went to jail. Throughout his life, Jeremiah felt miserable. Now, let me tell you this. Nobody seemed to care. Nobody seemed to know what he was feeling or what he was going through. He can't understand. I'm, God, I'm serving you. Why all these sufferings? So there's a lot of disappointments. His prayer to God is filled with awful pain and a lot of disappointments. He was bitterly disappointed with the people. He was bitterly disappointed with the ministry. God, I didn't want this. You raised me up ever since I was a kid. You called me to speak. And he was bitterly disappointed with God. He felt God cheated him. You can go back and read. That's Jeremiah 20 and verse 7. He said, God, you tricked me. You tricked me into the ministry. You tricked me to prophesy for you. He became angry with God. He cursed the day he was born. In other words, he wished he was never born. He said, I wish I never come into this world. Let me tell you, he got so angry. And that's the beautiful thing. You know, God's emotional capacity is so huge. You can utter all kinds of rubbish, and God would say, just bring it on. 
give it to me. Let it go. Let it go. You know what he said? Let me show you a verse, a scripture. Jeremiah 15, verse 18. Jeremiah talking to God. I don't understand why I, I still hurt. I don't understand why my wound is not cured and cannot be healed. I think you have changed. You know, he's saying, God, you have changed. You are like a spring of water that became dry. You are like spring whose water has stopped flowing. Can you imagine? Here was a very loyal man of God who had visions of heaven, so much so he saw the throne of the Lord. Here is a man that had moved in dreams and revelation, but yet he felt like a complete failure in life. He became a very, very, very lonely man because his emotional capacity was at breaking point. Today, we would say he had PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. He would have experienced it. He was at breaking point because of painful disappointment. That can shrink your emotional capacity, even for a great prophet. What else string our emotional capacity? Number three, very simple, physical exhaustion. When you're exhausted, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the state of our body affects how much we can take emotionally. How much can you take? Well, how rested you are, how healthy you are. Elijah's depression was caused by sheer exhaustion. Moses' irritability. He was, not mind you, he was the meekest man on the earth. That means the kindest, the most patient, but he became so irritable and easily provoked because he was absolutely overworked. Overworked. He came to a point, he just lost his cool and lost his chance to enter the promised land. Overexhaustion, burnout physically. That is why God created the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. Come on, talk to me. He called it the Sabbath. God is trying to tell us something. You got to rest, sleep, exercise, diet, sleep, exercise, diet. Basic thing to maintain the temple of the Holy Spirit. Sleep. Exercise, diet, proper sleep, proper exercise, eat proper food. You got to sleep on the average seven to eight hours every day. You got to. Of course, when you're older, you need less sleep. But listen, if you don't, emotionally, you don't have the capacity to handle. So I clock sometimes. If, if a few days, like Monday to Friday, I don't have enough sleep because we have a big conference or I'm in missions. The weekend, I try to sleep over. Sometimes I come back home and I just sleep the entire day to catch up the loose sleep. Because if I don't, then emotionally, I will not be steady. And when you are emotionally tired or you're physically tired and emotionally worn out, you lose your sharpness. You make wrong decisions. Right? And then, at that point, you can't focus. Physical exhaustion 
shrinks our emotional capacity. And if you are already hurt, it worsens the trauma and the pain. You got to rest. But don't sleep right now. <laughs> I'm going to be done, but not yet. <laughs> Who has the best example of emotional resilience? Take a guess. Jesus. What took you so long? I thought you were going to... I got to try that again, man. I got worried for a moment. Who do you think have the best example of emotional resilience? Oh, you know. Wow. I'm so, I'm so impressed. Wow. Okay. Look at Matthew 26. Look at verse 37. Here's Jesus. Hours before the crucifixion, he took with him Peter and his two sons, Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now, the word deeply distressed, where you get the word stress, means the external pressure is getting into him. Remember, pressure is external, stress is internal. Remember what I told you? So the pressure is creating stress. It's getting deep. How deep was it? It says in verse 38, he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. The word exceedingly sorrowful means painful beyond measure. I can't even describe. Jesus said, I can't even tell you, but I'm dying on the inside. The pain is beyond measure. His emotional capacity was stretched to the max was tested to the max. Now, if Jesus was like David, he would have sinned. At this point, if Jesus was like Jeremiah, he would have been angry with God, his father. If Jesus Christ was like Elijah, he would have become suicidal. <laughs> if Jesus Christ was like Moses, he would have lost his cool. He would have screamed and shouted. If Jesus was like James and John, he would have caught fire from heaven. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has such a huge emotional capacity. Even when he knew Judas would betray him, the Bible says he loved him to the very end, served him the Last Supper, and washed his feet. Will you wash the feet of the one that you know is going to betray you? Man, this Jesus is something. And when Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, how did he address him? My friend, why do you do this? He didn't curse him. You dog. <laughs> you stupid idiot. You blankety blank. Jesus said, my friend, my friend. And he's not shocked. He knew. Yet he still treated him as a friend, no anger, no frustration, no shouting, no yelling, no apathy, like couldn't care less. Just love, pure, genuine love. That's how big he is. In the garden, he asked them to pray. They slept. When the soldiers came to arrest him, Peter took a sword and chopped off the right ear of a servant. He created a commotion, right? Some people will say a distraction. At that time, Jesus, come on, you got to go. Jesus will have escaped. Jesus, so patient, so kind, so cool. He stopped, pick up the ear, touch the guy, and heal the ear. 
He said, look, you want to take me? Take me. No yelling. No screaming. Grace under pressure. Wow. Then the disciples abandoned him. Peter denied him three times. Jesus was slapped, beaten, whipped on the cross. They shamed him, stripped him naked. His two mortal enemies, Annas, Caiaphas, standing there laughing at him. What did Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them. And he prayed for them. No cursing, no swearing, no pronouncing judgment. I, if God will curse you with a thousand deaths. No trace of single bitterness, of an ounce of unforgiveness. How big was Jesus' emotional capacity? I want to know. I really want to know. And then, the Holy Spirit reminded me, for God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. How big is His capacity? His emotional capacity is so great. He can take every trash and every filth and every sin of every person ever lived in the past, in the present, in the future, and still say, I love you, I forgive you, I will save you, and I will help you. Oh, come on, give the Lord a big hand. No sarcasm. No mocking at people. That's the kind of leader I want to be. Not the type 20 years ago. But I want to aspire. And it's still a journey, even for me. How do we enlarge our emotional capacity? Okay, let's bring this message to a close. David prayed to God to enlarge his heart. So understand this. You can't go to a university to enlarge your heart. You can't go an online course to enlarge your heart. Only God can do it. It is a work of God. Only God can enlarge our heart. Only God can stretch our emotional capacity. So the Bible gives us three simple ways we cooperate with God to enlarge our heart. Number one, love and forgiveness. Ah, I use that word again, forgiveness. I put them together because they are synonymous. You cannot say you love and yet you cannot forgive. Loving is forgiving. Forgiving is loving. Bitterness and resentment lock us in a prison where we will not grow. So you let it go. Even if the person is unrepentant, you let it go. You don't have to trust him. You don't even have to continue to befriend him. You may even need to keep a distance from him. But you let it go. You choose to forgive. No matter what, church, you must forgive. You must. We don't curse. We don't nurse. We don't rehearse. We don't seek revenge. You must forgive. So to enlarge our heart, you've got to live in what I call a constant state of forgiveness. 24-7, constant state of forgiveness. In the Philippian church, there were problems between two leaders. Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3. Two ladies, right? 
<laughs> they say, hell knows no fury like a woman scorned. So you have two ladies here, boy. It was hell there in Philippians. All right, so you say in verse 2, I employ Euodia and I employ Shintaki to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, implore means, Paul, I beg you. <laughs> Paul, I beg you earnestly. Please, reconcile. Please, forgive each other. Unity is vital for the church. The place of agreement is the place of power. And without forgiveness, there is no genuine love. Love and forgiveness are synonymous. Paul was so urgent. Paul said in verse 7, I urge you also, true companion. So Paul turned to the, the leaders of the church. Please help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Two wonderful leaders work very hard, effective for the kingdom, but cannot get along. Listen, that can happen in Philippian church. It can happen in City Harvest. It can happen in your cell group. <laughs> can get along. Love enlarges our emotional capacity. Because Jesus loves, His emotional capacity is so huge, He says, give me all your burdens. Cast all your cares upon me. I will carry them for you. I will help you. I will save you. I will pray day and night and night and day for you at the right hand of my Father. That is how large God wants our emotional capacity to be as a believer. Love is patient and love is kind. So love maintains composure under intense stress and pressure. Love bears all things, believe, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, the context of love here in 1 Corinthians 13 is relationship with people. Look, you can't love in isolation. If you love in isolation, it's very dangerous. It's called self-love. We love in the context of one another. You must build. Love helps you to bear, carry. You can receive, you can contain, you can withstand. You can keep on helping. As we interact with people, including challenging people, as we express genuine love and forgiveness, we expand our emotional capacity. That's number one. Number two, be thankful. Huh? Thankful. Yeah. Every, you know, I, I went to check this out because I want to make sure, because I want to just make sure that what I'm preaching is not just scriptural, but it's provable in science. So I went to check up, and practically every single article out there on, on, on Google that talks about having a, a proper heart, it talks about thankfulness. You know that? In the same passage, it talks about Euodia and Syntyche, it says in verse 6 and verse 7, Philippians 4, verse 6, 7. Come on, let's all read this together, right? And the words in, in, in capital, let's read 10 times louder, starting now. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests 
be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You've got to take time to thank God every day for His love and His faithfulness to you. Thank God for all that He has done. Thank God for what He is still doing. And thank God for what He has yet to accomplish. Every day before you sleep, make it a point to thank God for the day. Develop an attitude of gratitude. In fact, that is how son copes with chronic depression. I mean, many of you know my wife struggles with chronic depression. And sometimes, I, I told you before, Charles Spurgeon, C.S. Lewis, Derek Prince, sometimes all your life, it is there. You just got to learn to overcome it. To manage it, overcome it. Don't let it manage you, you manage it. Put it under subjection in Christ. And how does son do it? Well, instead of feeling defeated, and I see now doing it, instead of struggling to, to fill up or to get up, instead of focusing on the slow progress of the, of the recovery, she develops an attitude of gratitude. So like Abraham, she stepped out of her tent and daily count the stars of God's promises and thank God for the stars. Just like the old hymn, right? That's like the old chorus, right? Daily declaring what? Counting her blessings, name them one by one. Count her blessings and see what God has done. Every day, just counting your blessings one by one by one. Just, by, just like thinking positive thoughts is to the mind, thanksgiving, giving thanks for the day, for your family, for Dayan, for the church, for the good friends, for life, for the food, for the provision. Just like positive thoughts is to the mind, thanksgiving is the heart. Thanksgiving begins to put positiveness into your heart so that all the toxin will never stay. Every time I'm thankful, I make my heart stronger. Finally, the last thing, number three. How do I expand my emotional capacity? Experience God in His presence. You develop mental strength through thoughts. You develop emotional resilience through experience. Because the heart got to feel. The heart got to feel. So we renew our mind by the Word of God. We renew our heart by experiencing God. And that is true worship. Through prayer, through Bible meditation, through yielding to the Holy Spirit. So our heart needs to experience the presence and the power of God. Then there is healing. Then there is softening. The heart can stretch and the heart can grow and expand. And the beautiful thing is God wants to touch us and God wants us to experience Him. You know, often when we are depressed, we feel cut off from God. And let me tell you this, 18% of people in the world will experience a season of depression at one point or another. And when you are depressed, you feel cut off. You may know in your head, I know God is there. God is so far away, that's the problem, you see. 
And I, I know God loves me so far away. And when you're depressed, you feel God is distant. But listen, you've got to get your theology right. God sits on the throne. Jesus, His Son, is at the right hand. But where is the Holy Spirit? He indwells in our heart. And let me tell you, once you believe in Him, He's not going to go away. And regardless how you feel, it's a fact, it's a truth. He dwells inside. We need to wait on Him. We need to worship Him. We need to feel Him and let Him touch us and renew us afresh. Romans 8 talks about the moving of the Holy Spirit within us. It's an amazing verse. If I don't show you, you won't believe it that such a verse exists. I want to show you Romans 8 verse 24 from the Message Bible. It says, That is why waiting does not diminish us. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. You don't see the Holy Spirit. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. So sometimes we feel depressed and we are waiting, we are waiting, we worship and we don't feel anything. Keep on waiting. As you wait, you get larger on the inside. Oh, come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Come on, singers and musicians, come up. Oh, give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. God's presence opens us up, enlarges us, expands our heart so that we can receive His grace, His strength, His power. So what do you do? To have, how many of you want to have a larger emotional capacity? Just wave your hands, right? Hallelujah. Three things. Simple, right? Three things. I mean, what do you do? What is, what is the first thing? Right? You, number one, love and forgive. Walk in a constant state of forgiveness. Number two, you'll be thankful every single day, every single Number three, you wait on God to experience Him. You wait on Him. Every day I wait on Him. And as you begin to do that, you begin to expand your heart. Let's all stand up on our feet right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we just talk in tongues for a moment, right? Let's just sense the Holy Spirit in this room right now. He's living inside. Let's begin to open our mouth and talk in tongues right now. Don't stop, don't stop. Just open your mouth and talk in tongues from the front to the back. Come on, I want you guys to really press in. I want you guys to pray louder. The Holy Spirit is here right now. I want you to touch Him. I want you to experience Him. Just close your eyes. Just look at Pastor for a moment. Mental resilience, mental strength is so important. But sometimes we don't make decisions with our minds. We make decisions by feeling. So our emotional capacity got to be stronger. Our church has gone through 
fiery furnace and we're still going through it. Sometimes it's hard to keep on ministering because we feel so drained, so exhausted. And there are days I feel I cannot take another bad news. There are days I cannot see another report. There are days I just feel like it's, I'm too overwhelmed. So I cannot give you something I, I don't do myself. What I do is I make a decision. My wife will tell you, I make a decision every day to walk in a constant state of forgiveness so that love is constantly in my atmosphere. Every single day, I just be thankful. And there are a lot of negative things to be upset about. But I say, Lord, I will thank you. I'll count my blessing one by one. Count my blessing and see what God has done. And then I speak in tongues, I pray, I worship. I need to experience God's touch because I know my heart will be changed. So one more time, why don't we just lift up your hands, just worship Him. Hallelujah. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Tonight I want you to worship Him from the front to the back. I want you to worship Him. Long just to bring something that's of love that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself. It's not what you
wonder how many of you tonight let's look at pastor for a moment how many of you tonight you feel that you're reaching the limit of your emotional capacity you're losing your emotional resilience you're feeling depressed worn out exhausted let me tell you this Psychiatrists will tell you, if you feel sad for more than two weeks, you're going through a bout of depression. If you have this chronic sadness, tonight God wants to touch you. I'm not promising you a quick fix, like one prayer, boom. But God wants to touch you so that there's healing, so that there's wholeness, so that you have the anointing and the grace to keep loving and forgiving. Keep giving Him thanks so that you carry the awareness and the presence and it's that awareness that will bring you wholeness and strengthen you again. How many of you tonight, you feel that you reach close to the upper limit of your emotional capacity? You find yourself irritable, frustrated, short fuse, getting angry. You find yourself just, you just cannot give anymore. You know, I mean, sometimes as leaders, we feel that I just cannot give anymore. I, I reach my limit. Like, how can I give what I don't have? Tonight, God loves you. God doesn't condemn. Give all that burden to Him. Let the Lord touch you tonight. I want every eye to close, every head to bow. How many of you tonight, you say, Pastor, that's me. Because tonight, I tell you, God wants to touch you in a powerful way. You feel emotionally, you're reaching the limit. You feel burnout emotionally. You feel your heart is shrinking. Tonight, you say, God, I don't want this. God, help me, lift me up. God, I want to feel your love. I want to cast all my cares, all my burdens on you. If that's you, wherever you are. When I come to three, can you just lift up your hands? One, two, three. Lift up your hands all of this room right now. Okay, now put on your hands. This is what we're going to do. I want all the pastors and uh, cell group, all the pastors and APs, can you just form a line right now? And I want all the cell group leaders, and tonight is it all right? Because tonight, can I ask all the adult cell group leaders, if, all the adult cell group leaders, and you are not burnt out, you are not. Can you just come forward? Because tonight we want to pray. Tonight we're going to worship God. And we're going to pray for you. And tonight, we're going to command that spirit of heaviness to be lifted up from you. Tonight, we're going to ask God to heal your heart. Tonight, we're going to ask God to touch you afresh. As we sing this song from the beginning, I want all of you to come. Those of you that put up your hand, just come right now. Come and form a line right now. In a moment, we're going to pray. Come quickly, just come. Hallelujah, just come. Hallelujah. Just come, come, come. All the cell group leaders, come. All is stripped away come. I think some of the older youth cell group leaders just come as well, right? Just come as well. Just to Don't pray yet, let's just worship him. Something that's over that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than. Several leaders come and help me to pray. Several leaders come and help me to pray. Fall one line all the way to the left or the right of the stage. Hallelujah. 
Give him all the disappointments. He's not going to let you down. Jesus will never let you down. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Before, before you pray, just let me read this to you. Just close your eyes. Just let me read this to you. Psalms 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? For where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness, that means depression, shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. You know what God is saying? That depression is no problem for God. He will turn that darkness into light. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. You will laugh again. You will smile again. You'll be happy again. Because the darkness and the light are both alike to God. There is nothing too hard for God. He is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus right now. I want everybody to stretch your hands towards all our brothers and sisters in front. I want you to just pray in tongues for them. I want you to pray for three minutes. Can you pray three minutes for them? Pastors and self-group leaders, just go ahead and pray. Pastors and self-group leaders, go ahead and lay hands and pray right now. Father, I pray for healing. I pray for healing. I just pray, touch them right now. Let them be refreshing. Let them be renewing. Create within them a clean heart. Create within them with the strength of their heart. With the strength of their heart. Everybody just break in tongues. Just speak in tongues. Just take your time and pray. Just take your time and pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Shudriya <laughs> 
of endless world. Everybody sing. King of endless world, no one could express how much you deserve. don't see what is enlarging us but the longer we wait the larger we become and the more joyful of expectancy let's take a moment just love the Holy Spirit experience Him feel Him just feel Him feel His presence feel His touch close your eyes just feel 
Father, I just pray for City Harvest Church. Lord, this is a great congregation, spiritual family you have given us all these 25 years. Lord, we have gone through a lot. Sometimes we don't understand. But Lord, enlarge our emotional capacity. Enlarge our hearts. Enlarge our hearts to love you more, to love people more, so that we will be quick to obey and run the course of your commandments, the journey and the destiny of our commission. Jesus, we love you. Make us bigger on the inside. everybody say amen why don't we just give the lord a big hand right now? let's give him praise let's give the lord a big clap hallelujah we hope you've been blessed by the message if you have a testimony to share write to us at connect at chc.org.sg 